I said, in honor of the first, you know, human on the moon. And one of my male astronaut colleagues said something about first man on the moon. And I was like, no, that's a human. And he said, well, there's a man that went there. And I said, yeah, but women helped to put them there. Hello, my name is Ray Pauletta, senior editor at Inverse.com, and you are listening to I Need My Space, the podcast that explores the infinite questions of our universe with distinguished experts and enthusiasts within the space community. Today's guest is Mae Jemison. Mae Jemison is an American engineer, physician, and retired NASA astronaut. In 1992, she became the first African-American woman to travel into space when she went into orbit aboard the Space Shuttle Endeavor. She is currently the principal of the 100-year Starship Project, star of the National Geographic docuseries One Strange Rock, and my personal hero. Today, she joins me to discuss the importance of making spaceflight more inclusive. This is I Need My Space. Welcome, May. Thank you. We're so glad to have you here. Um, Not to be too weird in the first five minutes of meeting you over the phone, but I do have a Lego of you on my desk, and I'm wondering how it feels to be a Lego. It's it's strange having being a Lego because you know people have, they can sort of sit you around and do different things with you, but it's also an honor. It's one of those things that you would never imagine about being a Lego figurine. So I, I actually don't know how to unpackage that whole idea (laughs) i just sort of accept it right and i mean it's it's certainly cool it's certainly an honor and what i'm actually thrilled about is the fact that it was the most popular toy on amazon ever oh my god i didn't even know that but it makes sense i think so and 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 it disappeared it like sort of went out um of the stores so rapidly so for me it tells that there is this thirst for um toys and things that celebrate and that acknowledge women in the sciences and in disparate types of fields. So I was really thrilled about it from that perspective and even more so, I guess, because I was part of it. (laughs) I don't know how much that has to do with it, but it's very exciting. Yeah, that whole women in NASA uh, Lego kit is just amazing. And it it warms my heart that an entire generation of kids is going to have so much more access to uh, women in STEM and toys and, you know, video games and pop culture. Well, you know what what it also says is when you look at where these women were doing their work, right? Mm-hmm. It was in the it was in the late 1950s, early 1960s, right? And we didn't learn about them. Yeah, which absolutely. is amazing. And so we're just now learning about them, like the you know women who did a lot of the coding, right? In, in during World War II and during that time, women who were the word computers came from the women who did the computational work for astronomers and, you know, the turn of the 1800s to the 1900s, right, at Harvard and different astronomy departments. And it's this hidden history that's really important that we're finding. And so, like, for example, the movie Hidden Figures, yeah. I always say it's, you know, it's sort of the hidden was both because, you know, purposeful as well as, you know, we just didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And and for me, I was really lucky growing up as a little girl. My parents, um, some kind of way, I knew about a lot of these things. And I'm not really sure how, but I, I was really lucky in how I chose my parents. <laughs> it's so interesting in 
awesome that we have a movie, you know, we have hidden figures and now an entire generation of girls will get to look at that and say, hey, you know, I I can do this too because these because of the hard work that these these women did before me. Well, but it's not just a two. It's like we've always damn been there. Mm-hmm. This is the problem. We've always been there. And on uh, One Strange Rock, right in the center, is a woman who is producing this extraordinary video series, right? This extraordinary series about about our planet and about how we came to be, the story, the life story of our planet Earth. And women have always been there, and that's something that we have a tendency to miss out on. And, and so I'm really excited that it's not just that they paved the way, but they've always, always been there, despite the fact that people have tried to keep us out. Absolutely. I mean, do you still think that there is a like a representation issue within NASA, within aerospace, for example? I mean, the numbers that we have for how many women have flown in space is still relatively low compared to men. Out of 543 astronauts or people that have been to space, rather, only 59 of them have been women, according to NASA. That's about 11 percent. You know, why do you think that is? Well, I think that there are a couple of issues that are associated with, again, the perspective of people choosing. There's a whole point in that, though. This last class of NASA astronauts was 50-50. That's true. And so we have this whole idea that way in the beginning, so we're just playing catch up. Right. Mm-hmm. And that there was an active um, people actively didn't have women involved back in the in the 1960s, even though Valentina Tereshkova went up into space with the Russians in 1963, the U.S. decided not to fly women. And so that's one of those issues that we have to stop and really think about. These were active decisions. And so we have to do a better job these days. Mm-hmm. And how do you think that we can go about changing that? Um, that you act, act, actively do it. So let's not let's talk about space. I think because I think the space piece sort of marries into or is very much supported by how we look at women in the sciences, mm-hmm. right? So studies, um, there's a study by Bayer Corporation, B-A-Y-E-R, Bayer Corporation, mm-hmm. that um, asked chairman of major university science departments who were the students that were that became in best opposition to get a STEM degree? And they said women. And yet, these professors were okay with their women students graduating in more percentages than the male students. So you see, it has to be a change. It's not just about girls. It's a change in how we look at things. Men engineering is one of those fields that's lagged behind, yet Dartmouth has graduated more women engineers over the past two years than he did male engineers mm-hmm. from the subject matter and how we look at things. So these things can be addressed. It's just a matter of us really paying attention and, and, and working on them. Mm-hmm. And of course, studying, you know, flying and studying more female astronauts should give us some insights into the way that female bodies respond to space. We really don't have that much information about how our bodies are different from the way that, for example, a male astronaut would be. Or how male astronaut bodies are different than how ours are. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure we get this in perspective. <laughs> so often we put it in the perspective of how women are different than men, but, you know, it Maybe how men are different than women. Um, I just like to fundamentally make move those things around. But you know, here's the thing: 
um, when we talk about astronauts in space, you know, we're the ones who are out front that people see. But nothing will happen in space exploration if it wasn't for the tons of other people who made these things happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to go back to hidden figures for a second. Mm-hmm. I remember at one point in time, and I'm going to not name the person, I was um, taking something down for the 25th anniversary of Apollo, and I was getting a plaque, uh, a picture made for this country I was going to. And I said, in honor of the first, you know, human on the moon. And one of my male astronaut colleagues said something about first man on the moon. And I was like, no, that's a human. And he said, well, there's a man that went there. And I said, yeah, but women helped to put them there. Yep. Literally, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> May. <laughs> you tell them. <laughs> Go ahead. It's one of those things that makes a difference. I, I really want to get back to, um, you know, the whole idea about, you know, who we are, who do we become. And One Strange Rock is really about how do we um, see this Earth? You know, we talk about this point of view of astronauts looking down at the Earth and having a revelation. But it's also about us on Earth understanding that we're connected in this ecosystem that includes our neighbors, you know, the lake, you know, 10 miles away and the other side of the Earth. But it also includes space. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for me, it's really a remarkable achievement to bring all those things together. Just jumping off that and talking about One Strange Rock, because it's a 10-part television documentary series on National Geographic Channel. But I'm just curious from your perspective, you know, you touched on this a bit, but why do you think that Earth is so unique as a planet? So let me just say it's not necessarily for the nerd crew. At least all <laughs> of us are nerds. Do you know anybody who's looked up at the stars and haven't wondered what they are? No. <laughs> that doesn't mean they wanted to go, right? It doesn't mean they wanted to go. But, you know, you'd never have anybody say, you know what, I'm not interested in that. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be a little afraid, honestly. Right. But no, not interested in knowing what's going on. I didn't say you have to want to go because there are lots of people who work very deeply in space exploration who are not at all interested in being going. Right. Mm -hmm. But folks sort of want to know what was going on. So I'm going to say that it doesn't have to be the nerd crew. One Strange Rock is really the story of of Earth. and it's told from a really incredible perspective of, 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 of from the beginning all the way through we are where we are now. And it's uh, with beautiful images mm-hmm. and how it connects to, to our lives today. So, you know, we're really excited about the, the connectivity to everyone. And, yeah. um, I mean, just speaking about Earth in general, the one strange rock, what do you think makes Earth strange and beautiful and special? So let's start off by saying we probably know that there are planets around stars, and it's not unusual for there to be planets around stars, which was something that we assumed back when I was a little girl growing up, but we didn't know now as we found out about exoplanets. So what makes the Earth unique? It's the same thing that makes any individual unique. Right. So as I'm talking to you, as I'm sitting in a room with lots of other people here, each one of us is very unique and our history, you know, actually builds us. Even if we started off with the same genetic makeup. Right. It's our history and what we lived through that forms who we are as a person, as an individual. So Earth is is unique and very different because our life forms developed on it. There's some ideas that, you know, we have, you have to live and be in this Goldilocks zone for life to exist, mm-hmm. um, 
in our planet. The Goldilocks zone is an area around a star in which water can, you know, maintain liquid form. And it's even more remarkable that on our planet, it can actually have all three forms. It can be gaseous. We see it in the clouds. It can be water. And it also can be frozen. And that makes a difference in life. So that's a unique aspect of Earth. And then we sort of say it's tidal. It's, uh, you know, because the moon goes around and the Earth rotates, so you don't have it all heated or cold. Or So there's some, a number of aspects about it in terms of its geophysical characteristics. Yeah, those, those kind of things make it very unique, but it's the history of the Earth and how life came about, and then it had all these different pathways that it could, which it evolved, and it could start off as micro, very small single-cell organisms to the complexity that we see in the world today. And there's some interesting bipoints that allow life to look like it does today. So that's our rock. That we live on. That's our home. And a special, special rock indeed. So before we ra- wrap up, um, we have a game we play called Best Planet, Worst Planet. And then, of course, the space transition, the message that you send out into the void. What do you consider to be the best planet, your favorite planet? Well, my favorite planet has nothing to do with where we live, but it's probably Saturn because of all the beautiful rings and yes. fascination from when I was a little kid. So it's probably yes. Saturn, but it has nothing to do with whether it's hospitable or not. It's probably very it's very inhospitable. But some of the moons around it might be okay. We might be able to figure out how to do some life in those. Right. Yeah, May, so, I knew you were so my favorite Saturn. for a reason. <laughs> because you're also Team Saturn. I'm sending you a virtual high five right now. Okay. Um, and then the worst planet? So it's not. It's one of my favorite planets, too, but it's probably a bit of a hellhole, probably Venus. I love the planet <laughs> Venus. So I'm, I'm stuck between like saying it's my favorite planet because it's sort of the twin of Earth. Mm-hmm. But it's a hellhole because it has, because it's very hot. It's, you know, it has... A toxic atmosphere and it's just you yes. know uh incredible so venus is probably pretty rough it is i was reading that spacecraft i think it's only the longest one has ever survived is like 127 hours or something like that yeah, it's, it's kind of rough. It's kind of rough in Venus. <laughs> Venus is tough. <laughs> but uh, then the last thing I want to ask you is what your space transmission would be. So if you could send a message out into space, just, hey, you know, what's going on, aliens, people of the void, what would you send out? Wow, I had never thought about that. I would have to say that we are connected and we are here. Looking forward to meet you. That was beautiful, May. We just love you. We're huge, huge fans. And I hope that... I didn't fangirl too much, but um, we're just so, so happy to talk to you. And thank you for everything that you've done and continue to do every day. You're very welcome. Thank you all for having me on. It was our honor. (laughs) Thank you, May. I, for one, look forward to making space an even better place than Earth. How do you think we can make space science more inclusive? Let us know by using the hashtag IneedMySpace on Twitter. Don't forget to follow IneedMySpace on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at IneedMySpacePod. All that along with info about where you can check out One Strange Rock will be available in the description for this episode. I Need My Space is an inverse production hosted by Ray Pauletta and Steve Ward, produced by Sam Riddell and executive produced by Hannah Margaret Allen. Our lovely intro and outro music was created by Andrew Oliveras.